Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 75, The Need to Be Safe. Yes, welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries. And we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, which is enduring a freak snowstorm uh, (laughs) for some reason, even though today is the first day of spring. And I am also not alone here in this first day of spring with the freak snowstorm. I'm here with my licensed therapist, husband, and Argyle expert, Matt Krieg. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Good to be here. And I am with producer and professor. I got to teach his class <laughs> yeah. this week. He let me be a guest lecturer and the most professional radio voice among us, even with his cold. Yeah. We have producer Steve. Hi, I, I won't shake your hand. I'll just do a fist bump. Yeah, there you go. Carrying germs right now. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. But today we are on our eighth in the series of 10 we're doing on core needs. And today we're focusing on the need to be safe. And in case you're just listening for the first time and you're like, what are core needs? What are you talking about? out there. Those are what are inside, what we have chosen to name are inside that metaphorical hole in our hearts, you know, hole in my heart podcast, hole in our hearts. And then we're talking about these core needs and God put these good needs inside of us in Eden, but the fall affected the perfect way we get them met. So instead of just autopilot to God and being like, oh, you meet these and our people and our jobs and everything just supports this good God need meeting process, we can focus on these people and jobs and God's gift instead of the giver of these gifts. So we are excited to talk about this good need to be safe with our guest today. And our guest is Bible teacher, author, and award-winning musician, Michael Card. And you may have heard his name uh, growing up in some of his number one songs like El Shaddai or Emmanuel, or perhaps some of his 27 books that he has written, and two of which we are going to be unpacking today, which have made a big impact both on me and Matt. And one of them is called A Sacred Sorrow, Reaching Out to God in the Lost Language of Lament, which if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, we will refer to this beautiful spiritual discipline, which has radically changed my life, I know, for the better. And every time we go and speak anywhere, we're always like promoting. I feel like we're like fans of Lament, which is strange to say. But we're also going to be talking about his Michael's latest book, and it's called Inexpressible Hesed. I I learned today the right emphasis is not on the hesed, but the hesed and the mystery of God's loving kindness. So welcome, Michael. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate it. I I don't know what your problem is up there. I'm in Nashville at 65 degrees. What? (laughs) Just just turn the air on. Oh, Oh, my word. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we need to be talking about envy today and jealousy because that sounds like... I expect you to hang up on me for saying that. (laughs) Yeah. No, you are welcome here. And we're so excited to have you unpack both some of the themes in this book under this this main theme that we're talking about of this need to be safe and how Mm -hmm. in this ability to both lament and and express our real pain and also experience the hissed of God, that we can really truly feel safe, which how many of us live in hyper anxiety. So I'm, I'm excited to unpack with this with you, Michael. Hmm. However, before we dive into that space, we got to get to know you a little bit. And so we're going to go to the question of the week from last week, which is what is something you've lost over the years and wish you could find it? Is there something that Hmm. you're like, sometimes I think about that. I just wish I could find it. So Mike, we'd love to start with you. You mean, are you talking about a particular thing? That's my thought. Or? You know, you could talk metaphorically like your marbles or memories. <laughs> my brain, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I hope I'm not oversharing here, but um, the the writing of that Hesed book, yeah. I tell people it, it broke my brain. Oh. And uh, a, a better a better person should have written that book. A oh. uh, person with a bigger brain should have written that book, but I was called to write it. And But I must say that a, after that book was done, I could sense that my mind was just not just didn't work as well uh, mm. as it used to. And I have interviewed my grandfather was a, a writer and a pastor, and I have uh, an interview with him, and and he he says virtually the same thing. Wow! Uh, I can't I can't study like I used to. My mind doesn't work the way it used to. So maybe I'm just a hypochondriac and I'm talking myself into it. But that's <laughs> that's what I want back. Yeah. I want that clarity and being able to stay up all night and and uh, so pray for me. Okay, we will. Yeah. And 
I feel like we need to say, because we talked about this before we hit record, but Matt needs just like fangirl a little bit about mm. how much he loves this book that perhaps your brain needs a rest from. Maybe it's just rest. Maybe yeah. we should be talking about that theme. But Matt, do you yeah. to say a few words yeah. about it? Because well, I watched you get majorly hit by it. Yeah. I mean, so I, I read it all in one sitting in one day yeah. and I'm not a, a dog ear or an underliner of, of books. I like to keep them in like nice pristine order, but this one <laughs> literally has like brackets and underlines on just about Whoa. every page. Um, and there were wow. times when I was just weeping reading yeah. it. And so thank you for the 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 brain that you put in here yes. because it wasn't well, really brain. It was it was a whole lot of heart and a whole lot of spirit. And, well, and let, me ask, you for let me ask you as, 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 I mean, you're the counselor, let me be the counselor. <laughs> what What about it made you weep? Was it something realizing something about God that you didn't, couldn't believe was true or I mean can you put it into words use your um, words Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um well actually I I think the the part when I can distinctly remember Lori looking over at me and 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 seeing the tears in my eyes um I have a soft spot when it comes to kids infants mm -hmm. and and if I ever hear a story of like a problematic pregnancy um mm -hmm. and everything I I tend to resonate because that's a, a part of you know my story and everything um, but the mm -hmm. part where you were talking about um, Molech and, and, and kind of uh, yeah. comparing the God of Israel and in, in even in, in like the, the story of Abraham and Isaac to, to mm -hmm. that of, you know, the, the requirements made by these ancient Middle Eastern gods and how they were required to sacrifice babies. And I just started like weeping at, at what was mm -hmm. going on and then seeing like, because you often think, or I often think that with, with the story of Abraham, it's like, oh, Abraham had such faith. When in reality, you know what? That might have just been not something that was very jarring to him in some ways because uh -huh. of the culture. But it shows this distinct yeah. difference between God yeah. and these other, these other non-gods that, that, that he was so different, that he was so safe. He was not going to require a child sacrifice. Instead, he was going to provide it. And that, at yeah. that point, I'm starting to like feel the emotions again. Um, yeah. I mean, that was just like, a, oh, it, it well, was that, like, that was a new idea for me too. that, you know, Abraham doesn't protest, you mm -hmm. know, and I think, I really do think he thought, well, this is what you do for gods. You mm -hmm. sacrifice your children, right? This makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, but, good. Well, thanks for answering that question. Cause I was interested. Yeah. yeah. And there were multiple times <laughs> and hopefully we'll keep keep diving into it just because honestly all it is is talking about this this inexpressible god <laughs> that yeah. we all want to know more so matt just you continuing the conversation was there a, a, a listener's response to this question that you resonated with and why i'm, I'm gonna go in a very different direction all right as get far it. as i mean this is not like a, a deep one uh, but i resonated with uh, lydia when she said her, her Stephen Curtis Chapman cassette from 1992. <laughs> um, and, and for me, it resonated with me because the, the thing that I immediately jumped to is, is like a, a nostalgia item. And for yeah. me, that's my Nintendo 64. I wish <laughs> I still had that with Super Smash Brothers and, and like Mario Kart and all those party games that I would spend like hours and hours with my friends just playing. Yeah. So, Mike, are you and Stephen Curtis Chapman like BFFs? Or are you like um, frenemies? No, <laughs> no, no. I helped I helped him get started years and years ago. I yeah. gave, him, gave him an office and and helped try to encourage him. But I I see him every now and then. He lives here in Franklin, where I live. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's he's he's part of a pretty elite club that I'm. My all my friends work at the Saturn plant, so. That's, oh, that's the Saturn plan. <laughs> I love your humility. Mm. We're going to be friends. Okay, Steve, mm. how about you? Well, I would go with something similar uh, to what Matt said. I feel, I feel like there were some people on Facebook talking about My Little Pony. and That was me. I brought was that, that you? up. that you? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I had a pretty awesome comic book collection. Oh, yeah. I was way into Superman. I had all the Superman titles from this whole... I don't know how many year range and they were all like pristinely, you know, put in the bags with, 
you know, the, the straightener and put into a special comic book box, you know. And so I had all these boxes yeah. of comic books that I, I didn't exactly lose. They got uh, sold by my wife at a garage <gasps> sale. Oh, no. Actually, I, she may have given them away. Like, she, she may have put them out there and... Somebody was like, how much? And she's like, just take them. Because, I mean, you know, every time we moved, somebody had to lug all those yeah. boxes of comic books. And at the time, I was like, yeah, they do take up a lot of space. I haven't read yeah. them in years. But now I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I still had those, you know. Oh, yeah. Because as grandkids are coming along, I'm like, that would be fun to, like, read through those again, you know. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Oh, I resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I put out there that I wish I could find my my little pony collection. Pretty sure my mom just gave them away because she thought they were probably satanic or something because they had like wings and oh. <laughs> some sort of unicorn horn. Yeah. Um, but my little ponies now, my our girls who are two and four try and watch the show and they are the meanest little ponies ever. They're not, the, they're like more satanic now. <laughs> they're like meanness. Yeah. Their attitudes are horrible. So they I wish I had the innocent ones or of the maybe, 90s. Maybe now that you're a mom, you just yeah. see it. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm now woke See? like my mom right. was. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I liked Sarah's response. She said, can I say my memory or memory? So she was more along the lines mm. of what Michael was saying. There are quite a few things I wish I could recall with greater clarity, especially to recount to my kids. But apparently they went into the memory void. So that makes sense. I wish I, I just I want to make sure I'm recording, especially these events with my kids and not losing them. So that just actually just responds that just wakens me up more than my my little ponies is <laughs> i want to be keeping track of these memories that we're gonna lose all right let's keep going though and we're gonna we're gonna get to know michael a little bit better on goofball island, goofball island. we're doing table topics and this is just my version of table topics because i was curious about mike and uh, our vehicle is a lazy susan now, for those of you who are listening for the first time, what is Goofball Island? Where are we? Why did we just take a Lazy Susan here? Is in podcasts, and especially when we talk about deep heart things, we can have this tendency to get very, very serious. And uh, I know my Enneagram 4 self, uh, and I want to make sure we intentionally infuse fun. So that's why we always get to know our guests in a different way here on Goofball Island. So I've got a few questions for you, Michael. And the first one is... Is you've you've performed a lot and your mm -hmm. I love your profile picture is you with a guitar. What's your favorite, one of your favorite ones to do, like a recent one? Because I know you just came out with an album based on your Hes Hesed book. Uh, so uh -huh. maybe one off of there. And then what's a classic that maybe you're just like, I still love playing it. Well, my, my favorite song of all, I've written almost 450 songs. Oh, my word. And my, my favorite song of all, so I did an album of laments uh, oh, years hey. ago mm. called Hidden Face of God. Mm. And there was, an, there was a song on there called Come Lift Up Your Sorrows. Mm. And I wrote it uh, with a, I, I wrote the song and then he, he sort of came in and made it cool. Uh, his name is Vance Taylor. Vance was one of the keyboard players of, with Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, he wow. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Greatest musician I've ever known. Mm. He can play any song in any key in any style without thinking. Wow. He's just an amazing and humble and just a sweet, sweet. I mean, I want to be like him when I grow up. Mm. So that that song, and I, I usually say before I play it, this is my favorite song. Oh. And it's uh, it's basically the, the idea is, you know, you're, you lift up your sorrow and your confusion lament Mm -hmm. is an offering your you know the thing that hurts you most may be the most precious thing that you have to offer yes because that's what jesus was doing on the cross he was mm -hmm. offering his suffering making an offering of his suffering mm. and and it, even his confusion you know why have you forsaken me so that is a big idea for me that's my favorite song mm. of all of them i yeah. love it and i want to go look it up now because yeah. again i am yeah. a fan of lament so what in your career, both as an author and as a musician, what was one of those moments that you've had where you thought, and maybe it was hanging out with your Saturn plant friends or uh -huh. Stephen Curtis Chapman, but just one of those moments where you're like, wow, I get to do this or be here or experience uh -huh. this. What was one of those moments? I think the, the greatest musical type moment like that is uh, we did an album on uh, the life of Peter mm -hmm. called A Fragile Stone. And my... Uh, famous, uh, my my most favorite uh, 
um, secular, I guess, outside musician is a guy named Bela Fleck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that name. Steve Bela's, does. He's yeah. nodding. Yeah. yeah. Bela is one of the greatest musicians in the world. He plays Bach and Paganini on the banjo. He's that, that oh, kind of wow. guy. And, and like Vance, he's just this humble, sweet, barely speaks above a whisper kind of guy. <laughs> and I got to spend, uh, I grew up playing banjo. I'm not very good, but I grew up playing banjo. So I got to spend the afternoon in the studio with him playing banjo. And that wow. was when I was sitting there thinking, you know, this can't really be happening. Somebody's, <laughs> I'm going to wake up from this in a minute, and, you know. Uh, because again, he was, he played down to me when we played together oh. and was, it was pretty cool. It didn't get any cooler than that. Oh. Yeah. Where did your love of music come from? Well, I was, I was born in Nashville. Uh, yeah. my mom, mom and dad were both musicians. My brother and sister, were both musicians. All my friends were the, the kids of musicians. Mm. That's just all we ever did. Okay. Um, we played, we played music. We didn't play ball after school. We had a 50s band we called Bubba and the Stingrays. We played 50s music. We had a bluegrass band. We were always playing. So we couldn't get away from it. That's just all we ever did. It's in your blood. Yeah. Now, this is a general question, but I know that you're a deep thinker, and so you can take it wherever you Mm. want. But what has most surprised you about life? Hmm. I think what's most surprised me is how hard it is. (laughs) I I think people in general are pretty good at, at, at... um, putting up a front that it's not so hard. Yeah. And I think, um, really, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just how hard it is. And if, if I didn't, if I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, I, I just don't see how people do it. Uh, you know, talk about being safe or having hope or, or those things. Cause if you're, if you have any sense at all and you look at the world you just think, this is, my goodness, this is hopeless. There's just nothing. It's just yeah. all dark. So, yes. yeah, that's my big surprise, how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm whining. Sorry. No, you're not. You're you're resonating with those of us in the room. We're just nodding, and it's yeah. helping us really yeah. hit a different need just to help us not to yeah. feel so alone. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm Thanks. let's let's dive even deeper into some of that uh, sweetness and reality of life in the heart of the matter. So, Michael, and just for those of you listening, he's given me permission to call him Mike. So if you hear me saying that, Mm -hmm. that's not Lori just acting cash. Uh, (laughs) But, Mike, uh, we ask every guest these two questions just because it always blows our minds. And we want to keep focused on the gospel, both its past tense, you know, here's my testimony, but also Mm -hmm. the right now application. But how was the gospel which is I'm more love than I can imagine and more sinful than I believe. How was it first mm. good news for you and how is it still? Um, I, I, it was first good news for me when I, when I accepted it and uh, I was about eight years old and grew up in the context of a, a church. Both parents were Christians. Both my grandfathers were actually pastors. So mm. I was raised by two preachers kids, which in and of itself is a, you know, interesting uh, story, (laughs) but, um, and, but I grew up, I grew up knowing who, who Jesus was and knew a lot about him. And I guess I loved him. I don't know. I, 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 but I knew him Yeah. and, uh, I can remember in, in our church, it was a little Southern Baptist church here in Nashville. Uh, they always talked about asking him into your heart, which Mm -hmm. even as a little kid, I always thought, you know, that doesn't sound quite right. I've always Mm -hmm. been a pain, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that, even as a kid, that doesn't sound right. So uh, I realized one Sunday uh, during, you know, one of the interminable um, invitations, we would play just as I am until somebody, you know, walked down. <laughs> and um, and I remember realizing not just that he died on the cross and all stuff, but they did it for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I walked I walked down to the end of the aisle. Brother Hopkins was there, our pastor. Mm-hmm. And he said, so, Mike, you want to ask Jesus into your heart? I go, you know what? I, no. <laughs> I, I think he's asked me into his heart. Wow. And uh, I'm just responding to that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, you know, it was just thought of a, as kind of a peculiar kid. But I really do think. You know, the, the initiative is all, you know, he loved us first, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he demonstrates his love for us even, you know, when there was no sign that we would ever come to him. But um, that just sort of dawned on me in the mm-hmm. midst of all all the, I don't know, 
verbiage. I love it. And what yeah. insight at such a young age to be like, yeah, I'm going to push back on that. That And it sounds like the spirit moving you. Yeah, I, I don't know or, or that or if it's just my contrariness, but yeah, I, I really do think that that's how it, I'm just, I think I've always wanted to understand how it works. And, yeah. that, and the way it works is that he's invited me. That's it. And, um, and, and, but it, then even giving me the grace to say yes. And the, so it. I don't know, it's all him. So that was your first yes. How is, mm-hmm. how do you ongoingly experience the gospel? Like this, you know, laying down and this being like, okay, I'm saying yes back to you, Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, I think lately, uh, just since, since I've been doing this work on Hesed and, and it, it's given me new categories to think in. Hmm. And w- one of the big categories of Hesed is uh, reciprocity, which I hate that word. I wish I could come up with a better one, but that's the only one I got. Hmm. And the idea of, of, of reciprocity is that when, when someone like Jonathan shows Hesed to David, it's it's not a it's not a stipulation of covenant. It's just kind of written into the fabric of what's wrong and right in the world. If someone shows you Hesed, you you respond in kind, mm-hmm. or it's it's a it's a huge um, uh, violation uh, of sort of the the universe. I don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. So I think what so now what I'm realizing is. And Jesus says it really simply, forgive as you've been forgiven. That's reciprocity. You know, James right. James says it, Peter says it. Um, and I think now w- when I'm, you know, pushed and I've got a choice to make, um, more, more, more than ever, I've got this clarity of, you know what, I'm going to forgive this person. They haven't even asked me for forgiveness, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but, but I'm going to forgive as I've been forgiven. Yeah. And that I'm going to reciprocate, and and if I don't, God help me. Mm. You know, I, I'm 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 turning my back on everything that really has any meaning in in the life of Jesus if I don't do that. Mm. So uh, that's becoming clearer and clearer. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a measure in in any measure a better person, but I, I understand it better, and I feel I feel driven in a good sense mm. by that to extend what God has been given to you and, and what people right. offer to you. Like it's, it's yeah. this just needs to be a natural response is to respond Absolutely. in kind. Can yeah, you, you have to develop an instinct, I think. And I think the spirit, that's part, one of the things that the spirit is, is transforming us. It's so that, that doing, you know, being kind, being forgiving, all those things that, that are hallmarks of the fruits of the spirit, those things become an instinct eventually. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 60 Mm. So it's it's uh, it's I wish I'd understood this when I was, you know, 20. But yeah, there it is. Can you explain and um, just as you're saying, like, so Jonathan and David. So Jonathan shows David Hesed and David right. needs to respond naturally and kind. Can you break right. down Hesed, even though the title of your book is like it's inexpressible. And even when yeah. I was asking Matt to explain it to me, he's like, I can't words to it so if you as as however you can explain what that is so we can start to lean in with to that with you sure well in the first place hesed is a is a hebrew word uh it's a uniquely hebrew word it's a uniquely hebrew idea which i think is really interesting Hmm. this one word in six different english translations is translated 169 different ways. Oh, snap. So it's virtually, I mean, it is untranslatable. And that's part, partly just the way words work, yeah. which was a new idea for me. And that's partly the nature of this word because it has such a huge range of meaning. But basically, it's the word that God uses uh, to fundamentally re- reveal himself with a couple of other word, words uh, to Moses when uh, in Exodus 34, when uh, talking about safe. I mean, he's covering Moses with his hand. Yeah. He's pre- he's pre- basically protecting Moses from him, mm-hmm. from his glory. Because if he sees it, you know, he's a goner. Um, so Hesed is, uh, my translation is, Hesed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Mm-hmm. Not a second chance. Uh, more chances you can possibly imagine. And I understand Hesed most clearly when I'm standing before the cross of Jesus. I look up at that cross and I say, you know, I have no right to expect anything from you. I nailed you there. Right. And what do I get? Do I get a second chance if maybe I clean my life up and walk, you know, the straight and narrow? No. I get more chances than I can possibly imagine. Mm. 
Mm. And uh, he's on my, I'm wrong and he's on my side. He's on my side when I'm wrong. Mm. Now that's Hesed. Uh, that's Hesed. So here we are talking safety and this good mm-hmm. need that we all have to be safe. And, mm-hmm. and you write about, like, I just picture, you know, we've had Sharon Garlow Brown here on this podcast and she talked about, she alluded to lament. We talked about that a little bit and how she would rather have like her son pounding on her chest in anger than to be like mm-hmm. going off in a way. So if we start with, and I want to move back into Hesed, um, and maybe it will just keep weaving its way throughout it because it's seems like it's everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. Just this, it's grace, but it's more than grace. It's like so much. Um, It's where grace comes from. Okay. It's from this character of God, that it's just this natural from God. Okay. But how, in in why, why does like Lament in particular, so that was the book you wrote, that came out in 2005, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why does that, what is that practice and how does that contribute to our ability to, again, I just picture a mom and a child or dad and child, this child pounding on mom's chest and so mad and lamenting. How does that help us to feel safe in such an insecure world? Yeah. Well, I I discovered the word hesed from, from studying laments. All, all, all lament, every, every lament in the, in the Bible transitions Except one, Psalm 88 laments mm-hmm. all the way to the end. Otherwise, laments, including the book of Lamentations, they all transition from a lament, 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 where when I need you the most, that's where you're the farthest from helping me, why are you hiding your face from me, mm-hmm. why are the wicked prospering, I'm a good guy and I'm suffering. You know, the whole book of Job is is a great, you know, yeah. um, uh, it, it's a novel of lament, basically. Um and 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 uh, three of the most important laments transition at the word hesed, because mm. uh, uh, because of your hesed we're not destroyed. So what happens? The transition happens because the writer has run out of words except that word. Mm. And 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 because God is a God of loving kindness, that's just one feeble attempt to translate it. Um, because God is a, a a God of loving kindness, I am safe. To say, uh, I tell people, anything you need to say to God, you can say to God. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in Scripture does He ever say, "How dare you talk to me like that?" Mm-hmm. And and you read 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 what Job says. Job says some horrible things to God, and um, but 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 in the end, Job understands. That's why he says things like, "If he, even if He slays me, I'm still going to serve Him," because mm-hmm. he he understands somehow intuitively that God. Um, that, that what's happening in the world to him, this retributive justice has really broken down. And, and, he, he, and, and the problem, really, Job's problem is that God is a God of Hesed. And what do you do with that when your children all die from a wind that blows in four directions at the same time and collapses the house and kills them all? And then you get AIDS or whatever, leprosy or whatever it was he had. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with, you know, you're David and all the horrible things that happened to David. So, um, but because he's a God of Hesed, I'm, I'm safe to come to him and say, you know, anything I need to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I don't have the language, he'll even give me the language in, in the scriptures. I mean, Bonhoeffer says that uh, God has taken, you know, the, the curses and the complaints of men and made them part of his holy word. Mm-hmm. And that's what laments are. There are some horrible things that, that are said to God. And he, those are part of his perfect word, which I think is a fascinating idea. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that idea that, and I believe it's Psalm like 137, that's like super dark. Um, yeah. Calling for God to smash babies' skulls on rocks heads. and stuff. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, whoa, yeah. that's that's really, tie, dial it back a little bit. Right, is, right, right, is, right. is how we, we tend to feel about it. But you said that in, in the Hesed book that, you know, David learned that the only place he can take all of the dark emotions that he has is is to someone who doesn't leave the guilty unpunished, and yes. someone who 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 cares more deeply about the situation than than David himself does. Right, and I think what you see, like in 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 that psalm, and also like Psalm one hundred nine, which is also pretty dark, David trusts that God is even madder than mm-hmm. David is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That there are people who are who have mur- murdered the poor and stolen from the poor. I mean, David is completely sort of unhinged 
that that God would let this happen. How in the world have, has this happened? And you you know look at Nigeria, look at all you know yes. everything that's going on today. Ugh. You know uh, th- those those questions are still just just you know just as alive. And God says, okay, bring that to me. And and I love what Walter Brueggemann says. God is committed. He's he's not going to leave the dance floor till the music stops. Right. So if we wrestle with him and lament. And uh, like Job, you know, I'm I'm gonna voice my anger. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know give him my frustrations. I refuse to stop lamenting. Mm-hmm. And all of his friends are saying, you know, you kiss your mother with that mouth, you know. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it really is a, it's a huge idea. And Hesed and lament are very definitely definitely kind of part of the same fabric. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. So where does and Jesus, that... and Jesus, you know, Jesus goes to the garden. Yes. You know, not not my will, but thine be done. Mm. That's it. He makes that transition in the garden mm. from my from from I to Grief. thou. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because he knows his father is a is a god of Hesed, but uh, but this god of Hesed has called him to give up his life in an excruciating way. So where does that instinct that you alluded to come from for us as people? This whole like, <gasps> you kiss your mother with that mouth or it shut yeah. that down. Like how, how when you said God never says, you know, hey, don't talk to me like that. Like I think all of yeah. us in our minds are like searching the scriptures like, well, sure, he says that because I feel like we all have this afraidness of God as opposed to right. fear of God. So where right. does that come from and why is it do that mishmash of afraid of versus fear of? Well, and and again, we're supposed to fear fear him, but it's it's uh, the, the Hebrew word there isn't isn't fear like um, I'm afraid of a bully. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, this is a person. First of all, we just we don't have language for, for God. Right. He's given us some language, but we, but but some of the examples are he's so holy, I can't even touch the bottom of a mountain that he's on the top of. Mm-hmm. His holiness, I should be in awe. I mean, I think in awe is is kind of leans better than than to say afraid in yeah. fear. I'm in awe yeah. of him, and I don't know about you. I'm uh, I'm not in awe of him enough. Right. Um, no. You know, I hey, he's, Jesus is my friend, and he is yeah. obviously the incarnation has brought us close closer than we can ever imagine to God. But um, but but uh, there there is one place where he does say. How dare you speak to me like that? But it's to some Philistines. Hmm. He never he never tells his children, "How dare you speak to me like that?" And and what again? What I say is, what you, whatever you need to say to God, you're talking about your sister and pounding on God's chest. Yeah. Whatever you need to say to God, you're free mm-hmm. to say to God. And we've got multiple examples, you know, all all through Scripture of of people who did that. So if I think about Job. When Jesus, when God comes back and says, for example, the like, who are you to say right. X, Y, Z? So what is he saying there? It's not, a, it doesn't sound shaming, but what is it? Well, it's perspective. Uh, and, and what you have, um, um, uh, Job, the, the book of Job, Job has all kinds of questions and they're good questions. When God shows up, he has a perfect opportunity to answer those questions. But God asks harder questions like where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth he's giving job uh uh some perspective Mm -hmm. i think that job didn't have because he got pretty caught up in his in his in his anger um not that there wasn't justification for it uh you know he got stuff back and he had other children but he never got the children back that he lost i mean it's still a tragic tragic story but the Mm -hmm. point is uh, someone has said the miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. Hmm. In chapter one, where's God? He's in the throne room. In chapter 42, where's God? He's with Job. Hmm. And so he shows up, but he doesn't show up to give Job answers to these questions. I'm not so sure we could understand the answers if he gave them to us. Hmm. The answer is always him showing up. And yeah. in the laments, it's always your presence. You know, um, uh, then I went into your sanctuary. Who I ha- who do I have in, in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing I desire but you. You hold me by my right hand. And that's ultimately the incarnation. I mean, what is the answer? The answer is always God showing up. Hmm. The movement, uh, the miracle of the incarnation is the movement of God. Hmm. And Jesus does the same thing. He has all kinds of opportunity to answer questions. And most of the time, 
he does what his father does, and he asks way harder questions. Mm-hmm. So the the point is not having answers. The point is 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 experiencing the presence of God, which He is, you know, very gracious to to give us. So with Job, that makes his, sense. Yeah. Well, if I may re- restate, uh, yeah. to have Job railing on God's chest and at God and all about it. When he when God comes back, it's less of a rebuke of Job and it's more of a I'm right here and almost calling yeah. Job's attention to both his right thereness, but also yes. his giganticness that has said that you're yeah. talking about like buddy, look at me. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean it's all yeah, that's a good way of that's a good tone because Job, Job has really become unhinged and he has every right to become unhinged. Yeah. You know what happened to him. And yeah. And God is basically saying, okay, you know, there's, you know, I'm God and you're man. Yeah. Uh, I'm completely beyond anything you could imagine. I lay the foundation of the earth. I put a hook in Leviathan's nose. You know, that's Mm -hmm. all those sort of things that God says in in the beautiful questions. But what he's basically saying is, okay, Job, I'm here. Mm. I'm right here. And uh, and again, I, I love that statement. It was by, written by a scholar named uh, Mattathias Savat in a book uh, article called The Meaning of the Book of Job. But he says, the miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. Yeah. And I, I just think that's a that's a brilliant, yep. brilliant thing. That is. And that's that throne room scene, by the way, is ongoing. Uh, I think Satan, Satan comes. He's the accuser. Satan is the means to accuse. He's accusing Job of all these things. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's accusing Job of, of just being good because God is good to him. And God says, no, that's no. I know. I know Job. He's you know, he's more than that. Mm-hmm. And then so what do we have in the New Testament? Jesus says, tells Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly the same throne room scene. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus doesn't say, and I prayed and got you out of it. Mm-hmm. He says, no, after you've turned back around, after you go through all these horrible things you're about to go through, then you're going to be uniquely qualified to encourage your brother. So so go for it. Ugh. <laughs> It just makes me like, is th- is that still happening? And you got to think oh, it is, right? right? Now, like about he, us. yeah. Oh, he's saying, look at Card down there. Look at that hypocrite, right? Yeah. And all the things he's accusing me of are all, you know, r- r- you know right. Yeah. And God says, no, you know, I know Card. He's my, I know Lori, she's, she's my daughter. I know yeah. Card, he's my son. Yeah. And uh, every time, every time Satan says, what about this? What about this? What about this? I think Jesus is standing at the right hand of the throne and he shows God his scars or whatever. And he says, "Okay, what about this? Yeah. What about these? Mm -hmm. And then God says, "Okay, cards unacceptable, but I'm going to accept it. Mm. Yeah, I'm on his side, right or wrong. He's mostly wrong, (laughs) but I'm going to be on his. But but I'm going to be on his side. Because of you. Yep. Which is that's huge. And isn't that language, I think it's in Romans, that like Jesus is at the hand of the Father pleading for us and like some of the language yeah. there is like a lawyer. So exactly what yeah. you're saying is, yes, right on. So, Mike, one of my favorite quotes of yours from your Sacred Sorrow book is about how it really just echoing what we've been talking about, how lament is one of the most direct paths to true praise we know we have lost. In fact, yes. lament is not a path to worship, but the path of worship. Yeah. How can you say that? How can you say lament is the path to worship? Well, I, I think um, someone has said that um, worship always begins with a plea. And one of the things, uh, reasons why so much of worship in the American church does not ring true, it's not that way, by the way, in most of the rest of the world, hmm. because I think they understand this. But um, uh, worship always begins with a plea, uh, because because the Bible is taking us somewhere. Uh, it, it, it We begin with this idea, like Joe began, you know, of of Torah, of these, you know, these are commandments. And if I, if, if I keep them, I'll be blessed. If I break them, I'll be punished. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Torah is a good thing. That's, that's how every child begins their, their walk with their father. Mm-hmm. But then I think what happens is God basically says uh, through on every page of the Hebrew Bible, he says, how can you believe that that's all I am? And so he draws that he's drawing us into relationship. And what worship is, worship comes from the old uh, English. It's worth ship. 
to worship God is to celebrate his worth. And you you don't discover his worth, you know, at a, at a picnic on a green lawn. You discover his worth when you're hungry and he gives you manna or you're like in the wilderness. You discover his worth in the wilderness. Yes. The rock is struck and you get water from the rock. God makes us his sons and daughters in the wilderness. And if and you don't bypass that in worship. And I think that's that's what's uh, missing. And, mm. and, and, and I think you, you guys have resonated with this idea of lament. You've seen it's a big missing piece. Oh, huge. Yeah. I'll talk to some of my friends. And I had a conversation this last week. And she was like, why, why, why do we not do this? Because it really yeah. gets all the angst out that we just bottle up and paste a smile on our faces. And then really, then we're like, why do I feel so anxious? <laughs> yeah. And it's because And we're puts resonating. it into perspective. Like, Joe, yes. we, we need this perspective that yes. he needs. Yes. Yeah. To both have this safe place to rail on God's chest, but then to mm-hmm. get to that said moment. And then it's mm-hmm. you, you talk about it in the lament book, the V-A-V. I don't know how you say that. Vav. Vav, Vav okay. It's a Hebrew letter. Yeah, about how that's like the transitional moment in those Psalms where you're like, oh, yeah, get it. That's how I feel now reading the Psalms. I'm like, yeah, get angry. And then you're like, wait, why are you happy now? (laughs) But it's we get to the end of ourselves. And that happens naturally. You exhaust yourself against God. Yes. And then you just can't help but how I'll say it now sometimes when we preach on lament is you realize you're at the bottom of the pit and you look over and Jesus is with you in the pit. Yep. And you sing like amazing grace from your soul for the first time. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, just wanted to jump in here a little bit because you you talked about in in the Psalm of Moses in in Psalm 90, um, Mm -hmm. the the, the line that just stuck out that you talked about was that satisfy satisfy us in the morning with your hesed. With your hesed. And, and yeah. so that we may shout with joy and be glad all of our days. And it's like this, this, yeah, this Job moment where he's, he's at the bottom and God has made this travel from the throne room to, mm. yeah. to this place of, of anguish. And, and it's in that moment that we can even see the worth of God. And because he is there satisfying us, which you put in, you know, that Moses shows that, you know, it comes from the word Shiva. And usually mm-hmm. refers to being satisfied with food, but in Moses' imagination, has said is something that satisfies a person's deep inner appetite, mm-hmm. and and I yeah. mean that's that's what I, I think this process of lament, like you have this anguish, you have this appetite for something, for some injustice that's maybe happening around you or in your life, and and God is the only place that can yeah. satisfy it. And th- and this is the perspective. Okay, this is the same God who spoke the universe into existence who laid the foundations of the earth, you know, who, who, who created the stars and named each one of them. That same God is the God who invites me to exhaust myself against mm-hmm. him when I'm confused or angry, or angry even at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why when you go through the Hebrew Bible, you hear all these people like Solomon saying, wow, there's no God like you. <laughs> there's yeah. never, you know, mm-hmm. if I do that to Molech, you know, he's going <laughs> to... Yeah. I'm going to be a you know, little smudge here <laughs> someplace. So, yeah, there's there, there's no God like this. No, Nobody made this up. Mm. Nobody could have made up a God like this. Mm. So, Mike, I, I've, I feel like we could just keep going on and on. Like I feel, sense a, a spirit of like resonance. Mm. But I would love for you to speak to, let's say, the mom who's listening with her three young kids and wrestles with anxiety at home just this mm-hmm. constantly feeling unsafe or maybe the young 20 something who is like i guess just anxiety is my life and just this uh, wrestling with feelings uh, like again unsafe and i'm not okay in this world what would you say to them as far as like a a practical first step to understand and we just unpacked this big beautiful picture of hesed and lament yeah. and like what would you say to them in their quiet of just, am I okay? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have any expertise in this, but I, but for me, the, this is this is what I do uh, yeah. because I struggle with, you know, I've, I've had panic attacks and all that stuff. I struggle with all that too. Yeah. Um, what what I do when it gets really bad is I ask the spirit to to tell me the truth. Okay, 
tell me the truth. Because what happens when you get that way is you're out of touch with the truth. Hmm. You think you're alone. Of course, you never could be alone. You think you're a bad mom or you think, you know, whatever fear or I mean, all the things that kind of swirl around you. And so what what I do is tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Hmm. And um, and and what what inevitably comes is this idea that, OK, you, you are my son. You know, I love you so much. I'd rather die than live without you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I I'm uh, unimaginably valued and 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 loved, mm-hmm. and uh, the person who is in 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 a sense covering me with his hand and put me in the cleft of a rock, mm-hmm. is uh, a person of unimaginable power. Mm-hmm. Uh, might might I have to suffer? Might I get cancer someday or get dementia or whatever? Whatever. Yeah, uh, that you know it happens to some of the best people, and that's one of the things I. I lament, you know, a lament about hmm. uh, the good and that that's Psalm 73. Uh, you know, why do good people suffer and bad people prosper? God, I just don't get this. Yeah. Uh, but ne- nevertheless, um, I, I get this perspective when the truth comes to me that, you know, uh, there is a God and you're not him. And I've got you. I've got mm-hmm. you. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the unquestionable demonstration of my love for you was shown when I gave my son for you. That's, that's what's true. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, in the middle of a panic attack, that, I think the truth can really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Just knowing what the truth is, because what you're doing is you're believing something that's not true. Like, mm-hmm. I'm about to die. Right. I can't, get out, I can't get out of this plane and I'm about to die. Well, right. that's not the truth. Right. The truth, the truth is, you know, the Lord of the universe knows every hair on my head. And, mm. you know, there's not language. We don't have language for it. Right. How much, how much, he, how well he knows us and how much he loves us. There are, there are, there aren't words for it. Even Hesed, you know, it's, you know, I think that's the closest we got. And right. I, I talked to a lady the other day who prays the word Hesed. Now, that was a kind of a new idea to mm. me. But that, that's what I do. I say, tell me, Spirit, tell me the truth. The Spirit of truth. Yes. You know, Jesus, who is the truth. Okay, I need to know what's true, because right now uh, I'm I'm in the dark. I love it because you're really mm. just tangibly laying out for us a lot of the big picture concepts we've been talking about. And it's honesty. Yep. God, here's is where I'm at right now. And yeah. I this is maybe what I'm believing, but spirit of truth, will you please speak to me what's true? And then yeah. there's an element of trust, which is that, Vav or Vav, whatever it is, that that mm-hmm. transition from God, this is where I am, and right. and here I'm going to choose to trust in your Hesed, because mm-hmm. that's intrinsic to your character. It's it's like God's DNA, and yeah. so you can't help but um, but to at least feel safe or at least know in your head I am safe, even if your body is still freaking out. And so. and you see that that very translate that transition. Uh, I mean, it's all through the Psalms, but yes. let me just read a, a little piece of it. It's most clearly, I think, seen in Psalm 73, hmm. uh, the translation, um, yet, that's a vav, this is verse hmm. 23, yet, uh, yet I'm always with you. Hmm. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterwards, you will take me up into glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? Hmm. You know, my flesh and my heart may fail. There's my cancer and my, you know, uh, uh, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. Um, yeah, but as for me, God's presence is my good. Yes. So that's, that's uh, I need to him. The answer is his presence. The answer is him showing up. Yes. Uh, I don't need, I don't need answers. I need, I need him. And isn't it wonderful that God didn't just drop a book from the sky. Isn't it wonderful that he came to us as the truth, you know, as the person who embodied all that. Amen. Well, thank you, Michael, for so beautifully embodying and using your brilliant brain. We're going to speak that life back into it to, to give us life and, um, and the heart and some of the language, even though it's inexpressible, but some of the language that we all universally feel. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for talking to me. Such a gift. Now, dear listeners, uh, we love 
having these conversations, having you sit at the table with us as we uh, get the opportunity to explore both the depths of our heart and our mind and this inexpressible godness that we keep leaning into. Um, And we would love to keep hearing from you. And so our question of the week for next week, we're going to, we have two more of these core needs to explore. And we're talking about this need to be unique. And uh, I'm bringing in a couple of friends who have adopted and fostered a lot of kids. And so we're going to explore with them just how, how do you care for each other and your need to be unique as well as uh, how do you um, also help them to feel like they belong? (laughs) There's kind of a balance there with those two good needs. But the question we have for you is what is your thing? This is taking it up a level, not very deep. What's your thing that makes you unique? So I'm not saying all your Myers-Briggs and Harry Potter houses and Enneagrams, which we do care. We talk about that a lot on here. But just like, do you have like a style piece? Uh, So Matt, you got the Argyle. I got, I don't know, my hair, I feel like is a, whatever. I don't even want to see now. I feel weird, but I want to hear from you listeners, not from me. Uh, Just what's your thing that makes you unique? And to respond, feel free to uh, friend me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or email me at uh, podcast at himhministries.com. For those of you who are looking for Michael Card's book, this Hesed book, or his one on uh, Lament, A Sacred Sorrow, we will link to all of his pages and some of his concerts that he does around the country, around the world, as well as these books. And we highly recommend, these are two that we've read, but I know just the ones that he's been mentioning sound amazing as well, as well as some of these albums that he's talking about. Um, I love that he produces albums and puts music out that corresponds with the book so i want to check out the lament one and we love hearing from you too and just what you guys think about this podcast just how it hits you if feel free to email me and or write us a review you can find us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and we love just hearing your thoughts and encouragement but thank you for all of us here at the hole in my heart podcast and we are excited to talk to you next week Matt's like super fangirling because he read your um, his said book over the weekend and was like oh, I kept good. looking over at him and he just have tears streaming down his face. Uh, oh. So he's very excited about this. Okay. We all we all are. Yes. Uh, okay. Buck buck up there, snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now right. That's, that's definitely not me showing Hesed. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, my my best friend uh, is named Scott, and he cries at the drop of a hat. Aww. So I'm always I'm always telling I always call him Snowflake. Okay, Snowflake, come on, buck up there, little soldier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Matt's a licensed therapist, and so if he would ever say uh, those sentences out loud, I think um, he would have no yeah. clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever said it to my clients, yeah, yeah, I'd probably yeah, tell yeah. my You'd brother say that. Just of course.